Algar Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 310, covering Drive and Repression. Hi, friends. I, I don't know whether I should open with a groan noise again. Did we did we hate this week, Matt? What, uh, what was... Uh, I don't remember. I don't know. There's a lot to not like about both of these. There's some yeah, things to like about one of them, but... That's a that's a real glass half empty way to look at it. There's a, a couple of things to kind of almost like. Mm-hmm. That That's the best I can do with the glass. On the other hand, we've been groaning at the beginning of the show so much that it's starting to become like the sea of folks of the beginning. Yeah, well, the, the high friends is the sea of folks of the beginning, but that's, the, yeah, that is uh, in danger of being eclipsed by... <sighs> why, why do we have to keep doing this? World-weary sigh. Every day I push the boulder that is Voyager up the hill, and every day it <laughs> rolls back down over me. Uh, I feel more like uh, a uh, Cardassian... Um, uh, what are those hawks called? The ones that they make uh, the drink out of? Oh, a Cardassian rem- screech hawk. Yeah, uh, that is pecking out my liver every day. Sure. Yeah, canar that hawk. Sense. That's what, I couldn't think of the word canar. Like I'm just starting to forget all that is good about Star Trek and only remembering Neelix. I can't believe that I that we never made this joke uh, during DS9, but uh, those birds should be called canaries. Oh boy. Yeah, you you tested that joke. It was a canary in the coal mine, and it and it failed. I disagree completely. <laughs> All right. I Let's... think that landed like nobody's got that. That landed like a canary. <laughs> yes, in a coal mine, it dropped dead. <laughs> Gracefully landing on Gulducott's bush. Wait, like his pubic bush? Just his bush, Al. His bush. So, like, like a a small shrub that he has in his yard. I'm having trouble picturing Cardassian pubic areas. Well, I assume because they're lizardy and hairless mm-hmm. that they don't have any. But I also, I think, uh, I think I'm kind of tired of talking about Star Trek genitals. I'm not going to say let's never do it again, but I don't think there's much left. There's much meat left on that bone, if you will. I mean, we know that they've got the spoon on the forehead, and then if you take their shirts off, there's like a fork on the chest. So I can only assume there's a knife on the dick. Or, or like a napkin ring. Ooh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, let, let's talk about the episode called Drive, which mm. is not a great title, but descriptive, I suppose. Why, why don't you tell us what happened in that? All right. So Tom and Crow, excuse me, Tom and Harold are out test driving the new Delta Flyer. Wait, what? All right, fine. The new Delta Flyer, when they run into an attractive alien that challenges them to a race, and then Tom gets all fucking Beach Boys in love with his car and racing. So then Tom whips her ass, and then she tells him about the big speed racer race that everyone's all racing around in. Tom decides his penis really wants to win that race, and for some reason, Kate thinks it's a great idea. So Tom blows off his romantic weekend with Bolana so he can drive really fast in a stupid jumpsuit with Harry. Bolana figures this is a good last-ditch effort to save their relationship and comes along, but Tom would rather keep driving to uh, keep trying to catch General Sherman and then yell at his awesome girlfriend. Then there's a lot of driving fast and looking like any number of shitty sci-fi racing games that I played in the 90s, and the hot aliens sabotage the race mysteriously. So while Harry waves a gun at her and mentions that he's single and very forgiving of traitors, wink wink, Tom and Belle drive the bomb, uh, there's a bomb I guess, into uninhabited space and save the race, thank God. And then Tom proposes to Bolana to win an argument. <laughs> okay, I do not get most of the race references that that you made because I well, don't really watch race movies. What, what? Who's General Sherman? General Sherman is actually actually references the giant fish Homer went fishing for when he was oh. supposed to be at marriage camp. Oh, because I know he was the actual, I believe, Union general who marched through Atlanta, but I doubt that's who you were talking about. Yeah, looking for General Sherman. He's been out that lake nigh on fifty years. Ah, I know what you're talking about now. Okay. Gentlemen, I'm going to catch General Sherman. Is that like season one? Uh, if it's if it's not season one, it's early season two. That That's back in those bowling ball named Homer days? Yeah, this, it's an old fucking episode. Yeah, no wonder I didn't get that. Okay, I thought it was like a Cannonball Run reference or something. I'm like, wait, what? Oh, no, I, to, to my eternal shame, I have never seen Cannonball Run or Cannonball Run 2. We ran again. Is that what is, is that the subtitle of Cannonball Run 2? You'll never know. 
Ah, that's that's probably true. I did work at a video store in the late '80s through the early '90s, and I I stocked it a lot, but uh, never never saw it. Oh. I am aware that uh, the last five minutes of both movies features uh, uh, lots of outtakes with. Uh, 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 I want to say Tom Selleck. That's not right. Burt Reynolds. The other one. And Dom DeLuise. <laughs> yep. Yeah, one of those mustache guys. And mustache. Uh, Get over here and be in this movie with Dom DeLuise. Well, yeah, I guess stand I have there and to. laugh. Stand there and laugh for half an hour. People will love that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so okay, I'm gonna go right into my good thing here because this is kind of my my general thought of the episode. Um, so this is a good example of what I was talking about last week, where. The the seven is not really dying episode was not really about seven dying because we knew she wasn't going to sure. die. It's it's an ex, it's it's an excuse to explore the characters because like the the concept of this is really dumb. Really, you're going to stop on your way home to the Alpha Quadrant to enter a shuttle race. Yeah, but but it worked because it wasn't really for me because it wasn't really about that. The focus was on Balana and Tom and their relationship, and I thought that was great and it helped me not hate the episode. This is why we've, we've talked about this over and over again. Uh, Braga and other guys saying we were starting to run out of ideas mm-hmm. really bugs me because the ideas don't really matter. The episodes don't have to be about your big, dumb concept. They could be about the people and you could tell the same story you've told a million times to shift the focus. So that's not what it's about. Yeah. And this. OK. Yeah. is a dumb race, but the race wasn't really like there was a little bit of it. But it was more about those two. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Yeah. I mean, that said, it's not like those two were great and had fun and were a healthy relationship, which is really your bad thing. Yeah, no, this episode seems to be under the impression that Tom has done absolutely nothing wrong in their relationship. Like, Bellana's rightfully pissed that he's forgotten her in favor of the race with the sexy lady that is not brought up at all, but fine. But she's still willing to do it in an effort just to get close to him. Like, it feels like Bellana is always doing that we've seen so much of her putting up with boring paris shit and not a single scene of paris doing any balana shit in fact i tried to figure out what balana is actually into and all i could think of was being grumpy and hiding behind things to make sure people don't know she's pregnant (laughs) so then when balana accuses tom of not being serious he's just like well maybe i've always been serious and i just never said anything about it and she goes that's the sweetest thing i've ever heard that sounds so much like tom just trying to get out of having an argument and then at the end of the episode, he's like, uh, what if we did get married? And that just feels like Tom going, oh, this will shut her up for a couple of months. See, I I kind of agree with that. But on the other hand, I feel like it's very in character. Like, it doesn't feel like bad writing. Mm-hmm. It feels like we've been taking this super self-absorbed character and trying to make him a little better. But he's still not perfect yet. And here's how he would deal with the situation. And that that actually fed into why I liked it. I get why it's your bad thing and you're not wrong. But I think I liked it because a lot of it was about Bellana kind of growing up and not getting mad at this. And so he's like, at one point, she's basically resigned to dumping his ass. And she's mm-hmm. like, you know what? This is this is like last time he went and built a shuttle that he then wanted to fuck. Mm-hmm. And now he wants to go in a shuttle race. And like, th- I'm done. If, if it's me or shuttles, then fuck that. I'm, yeah, I'm I done. Got I'm not going to get. I got better things to do than strap on a pair of wings just to hook him to bed. Yeah, but he's not like she's not angry exactly she's just like it's, it's she's good resigned, character growth from it her felt like she's just resigned to like okay we're uh, we're pretty much done but resigned kind of implies defeat and i don't think that either i feel like this is a more grown-up balana than we've ever seen before more emotionally mature like she she didn't just throw things and yell she's like no you know what i thought about this this isn't working it's time to quit fooling ourselves mm-hmm. and it was like finally the writers are giving balana something more than I'm getting mad like a 13-year-old every time something goes wrong. Yeah. And it was nice to see her written like an adult for a change. Yeah, you're not wrong. And that's what I liked. I really liked her. Like, I don't like the situation she's put in. You're right. But oh, her initial reaction to all this, you know, not doing the predictable, horrible girlfriend thing, but instead saying, eh, you know what? We need to talk because I think I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I like that. I just feel so bad for her. I do, too. And you're you're right. I didn't. Like, I did kind of think of it that way, but I also didn't because it is something she'd be into in that, you know, they like building and, and driving stuff. So it feels like a together activity, but it didn't exactly play out like that. Well, no, so. that's the thing. Like, I could see her being interested in doing this, like, with him. Yeah, but she wasn't. And then he like, convinced if he her, asked her, so. if he asked her first instead of, like, you know, getting Harry to do it, like, I could see her being interested in it. 
But, yeah. you know, her having to play second fiddle to the special boy. Yeah. Second clarinet. Second I think clarinet. Yeah. Oh, that's what Nailed that it. means. <laughs> yes. No, you're you're not wrong. And, and you do raise an excellent point. What the hell are her interests? Because we don't know, like... We know she's not into Klingon stuff. Yeah, no, I put some real thought into this. I was like, well, she likes to engineer, I guess. She likes her job. That doesn't count as an interest. That that counts as she's passionate about her work. But yeah. then what? Um, like she likes every other angry. character. Every other character, we can think of at least one like like sort of uh, side interest they have that isn't their job, uh, except Bellana. She hasn't done anything side interest since like they closed down the Cabana Bar. Even that wasn't hers. Like, no, is, have but we she ever... would go to stare at the sexy men. Sure, which is so, okay. So she, she has a sex men. drive. Yeah, but everyone presumably uh, that we've seen has a sex drive. There may be some asexual people. We haven't seen them outed that way. Sure. But, uh, because it's TV in the 90s, we can probably assume everyone's into somebody. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, like, have we once seen a holodeck program that she has chosen herself? Yeah, you would think we would at some point, right? We've seen her play on other people's, but have we ever seen her make one to play in by herself or with a friend? Yeah. Okay, this is actually starting to bug me. If anyone out there knows what Balan is interested in, please write to us. Yeah, we certainly forget things. Yeah. But this is also, I, I think I can speak for both of us here, one of our favorite characters. Yeah. We would probably remember this. I, I will also say, though, uh-huh. and this, this also ties into your good thing, I think... Our, one of our big complaints last season, maybe even from the season, like the last season or two, mm-hmm. she hasn't had much to do and hasn't really felt like much of a part of the show. And this episode and the next one and actually a little bit of the stuff from last week. Yep. It feels like they're making a real effort to make her like flesh her out again and make her more important. And I like that. Oh, she's so good in this. Yeah. Like and that was that was your good thing. Yeah, right? absolutely. Just, just it's, just, it's so nice to see, like for them to give her something. It's like. Like, I can, I can almost see her showing up for work just like, all right, what are we doing this week? You get an episode. What? Oh. Are you sure? I'm not I, I'm not Jerry Ryan. Yeah. Trust me, I checked. <laughs> no, and, and the thing is, I always feel like she is maybe not one of the strongest actors in the ensemble. I feel like she and Robert Duncan McNeil are both pretty good. They're both mm. on the same level. They're both not bad. Not amazing, but not bad. No, the, she's a fine TV actor. Yeah, she's but she's not as good as Kate Mulgrew or no. Jerry Ryan or when they let him be Robert Picardo. Sure. And it was like but the, but she definitely has a, a range where she works mm-hmm. and finding that is the challenge of writing a TV series. Not all the actors are, you know, a number one, like amazing performers. You need to work with what they can do. And there's some of that here, I think. Yeah. And again, the last couple of weeks, I feel like we've had that, which is nice, you mm-hmm. know. I like um, that whole scene with Neelix as much as I can't stand Neelix. Like where she's just like, I, I'm fuck, fuck this. Well, it's a, it's, she's that's that's where we were talking about her kind of being resigned to breaking up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that was that was very good. And it was I mean, yeah, Neelix was in it. But in my mind, it's more of a monologue. <sighs> oh, hello. I didn't see you come in there. She's just like talking to herself like Shakespeare soliloquy style. Just a little aside. While she's thinking, like, sorting through her thoughts. And oh, man, what was she was talking to a Neelix skull? That'd be good, too. Because then still he'd have, be dead. It'd still have hair somehow. And in hell. I, I hope. Maybe in Klingon hell? I mean, we sure. know the Klingon afterlife is a real place. Well, here I am on, a, on the barge of the dead. Oh. Now, I guess I'm the cabana boy on the barge of the dead. Ugh. I mean, he probably would be. Wow, you took your shirt off real fast, Neelix. <laughs> How about you put that back on? My God, you have a lot of nipples. <laughs> How are they all clustered in that one part? Me and Eric's had a contest. I won hands down. Uh, he won there's the a hand- duet. He won there's the hands a duet I never want to hear. <laughs> yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> no, I want to hear those two sing something. Oh, yeah. Eric's and Neelix's. You've never heard them before. <laughs> Be like Barbershop uh. or something. Yep. Sweet uh, Adalai. Well, then we need a quartet, so we need to throw Rom in there. And Armas. Uh, yeah, I was about to say, who's a next-gen character with an irritating voice? Nailed it. Yep. There we go. Uh, speaking of annoying characters. Well, there's our cover for the next uh, <laughs> <laughs> all-wearing straw hats. Yeah. 
Uh, speaking of annoying characters, Harry sure was harrying as hard as he could harry this time, wasn't he? Oh, man. He harried harder than he's ever harried before. It was very harrying. Mm-hmm. Well, for it those of us th- who had to watch the damn thing. Yeah, it was. So, yeah, as Matt mentioned in his summary, there is a, a cute, you know, like your standard TV pretty chick who was the main alien that they met. Mm-hmm. And got them into the situation. And Harry, from minute one, will not stop coming onto her. And she immediately mentions she has a boyfriend. Yep. She immediately shoots him down like 10 different ways. And he just keeps persisting and keeps. Oh, there's a point. Ah. In the ep- there's a point in the episode where he actually where he actively is like working to get rid of the boyfriend so that he can slide in. Yeah. It's really gross. Like this is before. uh the guy gets hurt and he has to, he takes over. Well, and, and we do find out that it's not a boyfriend, but a co-pilot, but we didn't know that at this point. He, and he should have backed in off. In fact, he, he, as far as he knew, it was her boyfriend. Yeah, exactly. And he's still and like, I th- well, I know, I'll just get her out of the way and then I'll slide in with my Harry Kim style. And, and this actually plays into your quote, which would have been my choice as well. This mm-hmm. is fantastic. This is Tom recounting every stupid thing Harry has tried to have sex with on the ship. I know what you're going to say. No, no, actually, I was just going to congratulate you. I mean, she's not a Borg, she's not a hologram, and she's not dead. Looks like you might have finally found yourself the perfect woman. And the best part of that is now, next time he reads this list, he can say, and an attempted saboteur. Because the the list go like, this one is now another failed conquest of someone that he should not have gone after. I've tried to seduce a hologram, a Borg, a dead lady... My own female clone, a pile of manure, the, a cow, the box that my blow-up doll came in. But not the blow-up doll, interestingly enough. He's like a cat. He's more interested in playing with the box. <laughs> no, there was... I'm there sorry, was some... I'm just picturing him springing into a box like Mauru, the cat who loves boxes. Yes, exactly. Now, there was some extra strength Harry Kimming this time, and it was just like, uh, how can you defend this? How could she not like me? I've done so many good things. I got like 80 points in the I get to fuck you scale. Ugh. He's such and a nice he, guy, Matt. And then he basically forces himself to be her co-pilot. Yeah. She's which literally thankfully, like, no, that's fine. Thank you. Well, she she eventually lets him because it'll allow her to sabotage. Like, the whole thing is this race is supposed to bring together this region of people who have been fighting. Mm-hmm. And, like, this is the first cultural thing that, you know, like, the Olympics does, does that sometimes. Yeah. Where these, these countries have been at war for a long time. And now let's put that aside and have some friendly competition. And she's like, yeah, fuck, fuck friendly competition. We're still at war as far as I'm concerned. I'm going to blow this up. And that's, that's not a bad, like... As long as the plot doesn't focus too much on it, that's not so bad. Sure. And But the reason she be- finally kind of begrudgingly befriends him is because that works for her purposes. Mm. She's like, well, I could I could get this done a lot more easily if he thought, you know, I was into him. So fine, whatever. It occurred to me, it occurred to me that this episode would be much more interesting if her co-pilot had been a small dog who laughed like this. Yes, it would. That I, You were not the first person to make that comparison. that's true of most TV shows now that I think about it. Sorry? Yeah, well... So you're not the first person to make that comparison. A few other people said, yeah, the Wacky Races episode is coming up. Yeah. So. These races were not wacky enough for my tastes, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I also, and we, we talked about this a little already. Why, Kate? Why? I fucking. I get why Tom wants to do this, but why is the captain okay with it? She's like, uh, the the crew needs a little R&R. Like, wh- what, because we haven't had any in seconds? This is the most relaxed fucking crew in the entire fucking uh, franchise. I mean, all all they need is some weed and they'll never do anything again. <laughs> like, they, they literally spend their time on the holodeck recreating the old stupid TV to sit in front of. Yep. I've said like, this before. I'm pretty sure that's what Chakotay's getting up to. Oh, uh, probably. It makes him more interesting for sure. Mm-hmm. But even even then, we still know some things he's into. Yep. Blana, not so much. Blana, do you get high? I don't have time. I ain't gotta work. Do you, ah! sm- do you smoke? You vape. What's your deal? <laughs> uh, speaking of, of people's uh, uh, like uh, recreational pursuits. Sure. Uh, the doctor takes up golfing in this episode. Oh, God, I forgot. I, I think I burned that out of my memory just because it was so fucking stupid. It, Golf. Like, 
as soon as he has a line where he's like, "Yes, I've taken up something that other that Earth doctors have practiced for centuries." I'm like, "Here comes the fucking golf joke." Okay, good. Yep. Here comes the golf uh, uh, punchline teeing off. Yep, and there it is. Good uh-huh. form. There we go. All right. Now, all we need to do is get him into some uh, into some tartan pants and one of those hats with a bobble on top, and uh, we're pretty much good. Not not only that, but he's got a wacky future golf ball that blinks. Because you can't just have a, a little white ball that you hit into a cup, like you know, like golf. You gotta, you gotta have it futury. Mm-hmm. I've been taking, like, a, I've, I've been take, watching a lot of ancient Earth videos on the subject. Have you ever heard of the great golf scholar Dorf? <laughs> See now, there, there's how you work in your Tim Conway. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, look, if if Joe Piscopo can appear, <laughs> and he why did. not Dorf? Yeah, why not Dorf? He was an ancient Earth golf warrior who was able to golf effectively while be, while never getting off of his knees. Doctor, he's supposed to be short. Really? Because it doesn't look like that to me. I don't. That's not how short people work. No. I'm a doctor. Also, I can identify short people. Also, they got no reason to live. That's what I hear. From uh, ancient Earth, uh, Earth musical scholar Randy Newman. Mm-hmm. Hello, Newman. Ugh. There's, uh, there's a point when, when, uh. Balana's being very gracious about uh, breaking off their date, which mm. she has traded holodeck time with like 50 people and really bent over backwards to make this thing happen. Yeah, she, she's basically got the entire weekend on a ship that never stopped using the holodeck. So, yeah, yeah, she's she's she owes so many favors and then she just has to give it all up, which sucks. Mm-hmm. But uh, she says the holodeck will always be here and that should just be Voyager's like motto. Yep. The holodeck will always be here. It's like a just threat. put it on. Just put it under the uh, the logo at the beginning of the show. Yep, because you know, yeah. Ugh. Uh, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't mind them, and they actually end up married at the end of the episode. Yeah, they do. I like that actually. Mm-hmm. Like the way it plays out. Like I don't know. Like I get what you're saying that it feels like he did it to shut her up, and uh, yeah, there's an argument to be made for that. But on the other hand, I've seen this in some drama i've seen it with some real couples like, yeah the the underlying argument here is that we're not moving forward are we ready to move forward yeah we are all right let's do that mm. like i could i can totally see that and I, it didn't bother me at all and I, I actually as dumb as it was i thought it was kind of cute that they rode away in a shuttle with the just married and like y- cans yeah. tied to the back of it i'm going to agree with that that was stupid but kind of cute stupid yeah cute but stupid yep Hey, is that where the name Cupid came from? Oh, fuck, maybe? Could be. I don't know. I'm not from ancient Greece or Rome. Mm. I thought you were. No, no, I sorry. something new about you every week. I know the toga throws people off, but uh, I mostly just wear that because of my love of Animal House, a movie I've never seen. Well, and, and you're constantly bra- bragging about how you came and saw and conquered. Oh, yeah, well, what, that's yeah. a Ghostbuster reference. Oh, well, no, that's came, saw, kicked his ass. I know. I, just, I had thing. to mix it up a little bit. I didn't know about the came I saw I conquered thing from history. Of course you didn't. I thought I invented that. You thought it was just a cool line, not a reference to anything. That's correct. That's fair. If Ghostbusters or The Simpsons didn't do it, it doesn't exist. Or uh, or eight episodes of Mr. Science Theater. That's true. What are you going to do when they come out with their new episodes next month? Oh, man. Gonna Actually, it's to... nine now. I watched uh, The Horrors of Spider Skull Island this weekend. No, it's just Spider Island. Spider uh, Skull Island is from Venture Brothers. I did that so many times watching that episode. <laughs> in my head, if you're the, on an island with spider in it, it's Spider Skull Island. I mean that that makes no, but you have to say it right. Spider Skull Island. Spider Skull Island. That's the one with the creepy showbiz guy who crosses his legs to like uh, yep. indicate if he likes the dancing girls or not. Yep, right? we were about eight minutes into the episode, and I turned to Mel and go, "Oh, we got a sleazy one." Yep. The, it, they, it, they have it, a handful of those. There's a there's a couple of those floating around MST. Yeah, there are. And actually, someone asked uh, Kevin Murphy if Rift Tracks is ever going to do Zardoz, and he's like, "No, we're we're sick of doing creepy ones." Yeah, good. Which is good, but on the other hand, I really like Zardoz, and it would be great for Rift Tracks to. Do I've it. never seen Zardoz. Oh, it's terrible. I kind of want to because it looks insane. It's uh, Sean Connery in a diaper. Yep. Uh, flying around the post apocalypse in a fly in a floating statue head. Yep. With a lot of intentional uh, uh, phallic imagery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's everything I've heard about Zardoz. Yeah. No, it's just it's one of those weird '70s sci-fi movies I just want to see because it's so fucking weird. But it's 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 an art film, is the thing. It feel like it might not be officially an art film. I don't know how you would 
like even qualify that, but it feels like someone's first film in art school, like in, in film school. Like it's real experimental, which is super weird. Especially for getting Sean Connery. Yeah, yes, exactly. I'll, wear a, I'll wear a diaper for the entire thing and fly around in my own head. I mean, Sean Connery, Sean Connery, was, Connery did, is doing now, by the way. Well, yeah. No, Sean Connery was in the Time Bandits for like ten dollars. Like it, it wasn't it wasn't expensive to get Sean Connery mm. for a while there. Anyway, Voyager, Matt. Uh, no, I'd rather talk about Sean Connery. No, uh, that's okay. I am the dog, Indiana. Speaking of creeps. <laughs> oh damn it! Uh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, anything else about this um, one? Look at my notes and just not caring. I have, I'm screaming, my race sees it just like a battle, just like about a third of all Star Trek races. Oh, like, I'm God. real sick of that. Like, we, uh, yeah. this race is, a, is like a war to us. Shut up. Can we talk about that for a second? The fucking yeah. guy just staring out the window and Tom comes up and says, hey, how's it going? Are you my friend? No? Yeah. Let no, me Tom, have nothing I, to talk about. I do like the 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 constant runner that Tom keeps trying to befriend various people and being really bad at it. I like that he keeps trying to befriend people at the urging of his actual friends. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's Bellana's interest mm-hmm. is uh, humiliating Tom. That's my interest. So yeah, I still like Tom. It's it's fun to watch him fail, but I still like him. <laughs> He's the kind of guy you guy you really want to see fall down a flight of stairs. Yeah. Oh, uh, one one last thing I think we should talk about is, uh, you, and you also mentioned this in your summary. Uh, yeah, the new Delta Flyer. Yeah, what? I mean, I guess they keep redesigning it. I don't. I it's, don't know. I checked, and it looks the same. Basically, it, it looks a little. Di- I think what happens is they do like between seasons to like update the models, mm. and it might be all CG now, but they're still updating the computer models. Like they, you know, they like to tinker and they like to make it look better. And I, I get that, but mm. like. Uh, they made a huge deal at a building, the Delta Flyer. Now it's here. Why? Like, just leave it. You know, just like you got. You don't need to do anything. To, you're good. Yeah, but trust yeah, me, whatever. if you update it or whatever, I won't notice. Probably not. I'm usually looking at my notes anyway. Yeah, and you're looking for weird background things. Yep. So, oh, is that a fire hydrant? Better write that down. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Uh, no. All right. Let us move forward then to repression. Settle in for one of those episodes about a psychotic killer who waves a knife around and rants. Only because this is Voyager, said killer shows up via mind control. Because apparently all former Maquis crew members have been carrying post-hypnotic suggestions this whole time, and all it takes is the right code word to get them all to start clucking like chickens. Which, as we all know from countless pop culture examples, is the main thing hypnotists want to do once they have control over people's minds. Except in the excellent movie Get Out, which you should definitely see because it is, as I say, excellent. Anyway, the dumb post-hypnosis plot begins with Tuvok, who is, prepare to have your mind absolutely blown by this twist, the actual assailant that he himself is trying to catch. What? So yeah, back in the pre-Delta Quadrant Maquis days, there was this Bajoran who thought the most effective way to fight the scary totalitarian Cardassians would be to do exactly the same sort of thing they would do, control people's minds. So he put what we might as well just call a fucking magic spell on Tuvok, Chakotay, Bellana, and the rest. And now, seven years later, that magic spell has been activated for reasons that were possibly explained in the episode, but I didn't hear them because I was looking for things to throw at my television. Remember back in season one when we repeatedly wished that the Maquis-Starfleet conflict was a more prominent element of the show? Apparently a slow-acting monkey's paw hurt us and finally kicked in. Note to my past self, this conflict did not make the show better. Then everything goes back to normal and everyone just forgives and forgets the armed mutiny perpetrated by a full third of the crew because Voyager. In case I somehow haven't made this point abundantly clear, I really hated this episode. Yeah, so this fucker starts bad and then just takes a full-on swan dive into stupid territory. I didn't actually think it started bad. I'll I'll give you that. Like, I think the first act was okay. Like, we actually continue on with Tom and Bellana going on a date, and I thought that was kind of cute. That was fine, although it was another example of them doing something Tom wants to do. No, you're, you're right about that. But just, just okay. They're a couple. They're newlyweds. They're they're still dating. That's cute. And um and Tuvok like, and my notes even say this. Oh, are we gonna watch Tuvok solve a mystery? Good. I like I like when the security guy uncovers what's going on. But then it unraveled almost immediately. Yeah, it, it because almost right away it's it's about like uh, 
it's clearly him because he starts having headaches and shit. And it's like, okay, so you're fucking, you've got a virus or are yeah, headaches, blackouts. Uh, at one point they're trying to reconstruct what happened on the holodeck and they see the, like they can piece together the silhouette of mm. someone who's very clearly doing a mind meld pose. Yeah. Like it's, it's real obvious to us. And then it takes them two acts to figure it out, which is one of my number one pet peeves. Like with these mystery plots, if I can figure it out, fucking get on with it. Mm. Like but, it's fine yeah. if it's fine if you make it so the audience can figure it out. It's if yeah. it's when you spin your wheels for two weeks just to keep it going. That's when yeah. I get annoyed. No, that's what bugs me. And even if the characters don't know, at least if they acknowledge to us, mm-hmm. yes, you're correct. This is what happens. But let's watch Tuvok find out. But that's I mean, okay. you're right. I would watch Tuvok investigate a crime. The t- the TV show, like that was, no, it's, those are one of my favorite Odo episodes. Yeah, exactly. And if Worf had not sucked it, uh, you know police work it would have been interesting to watch him do it too well, unfortunately worst idea of detective work is to literally kick walls down <laughs> yeah he doesn't no, get the whole one more thing he says one more thing and then he just yells in your face <laughs> well it's like the part of the hard-boiled detective thing when he's been pushed to the edge and he finally just like goes and roughs some guys up only he doesn't go through all the other parts first mm, no he just roughs guys up from the beginning he's like daredevil in a bar <laughs> or in a hallway you're in a hallway yeah. Fuck this hallway. <laughs> but no, I mean, we've talked about this like all the way back to season one when Tom was a murder. Yeah. Like I like I would like to watch Tuvok use his Vulcan logic to uh, piece a puzzle together. But this was one of those. And this is one of my number one. Like this is why I don't like watching serial killer shows and cop shows because catching the killer. That's actually you. Oh, shut up. Yeah. Like Fucking the 90s. Just shut up. But But it's clever. No, it was clever. The first no, time. I don't think it was clever the first time. Ugh. But, I'll, you know, if you believe that, that's fine. But I do not. Ugh. Just, it, it really irritated me. And, yeah, so it turns out there's this whole post-hypnotic suggestion that, that makes everyone evil. I By, I, by the way, um, hypnotism on Star Trek really pisses me off. Eh, it's one of those pseudoscience things that, uh, whatever. It's just like, uh, there's something else that is like this. When it came up a couple of weeks ago, I don't remember what it was now, but when it came up, I'm like, that's stupid. That's not in Star Trek. Well, I don't know. It's, it's just one of those things. Ah. Anyway. Tuvok, I, I, you're getting very sleepy. The thing is, I get the idea of making the Vulcan be the one to sort of activate everyone else by mind melding them. And like, that's more mind control. And like, that at least is kind of a neat, neat take on mind melding, you know? And we're willing to buy that, that these, you know, magic logic elves have (laughs) mind powers. So what's the difference between that and hypnotism really? Well, I believe in magic Vulcan elves. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, anyway, that was my bad thing, the, the, the trying to catch a killer that they themselves end up being. And and my note here says, fuck this episode, then unfuck it, just to make it possible to fuck it again. Yeah, we can fuck it, like, as many as 10 to 20 times. Yeah. What was your bad thing? Ugh. Why is this episode in fucking season seven? Like, we could not be further away or less interested in the, in the Maquis being separate from the Starfleet crew at this point. And I say that as someone who has never been interested in the Maquis whatsoever. Like, seriously, if this episode had just managed to take seven years of goodwill in the Maquis th- crew and then flush it down the crapper. Like, not that anyone's ever going to mention this again, but, like, this shit doesn't matter anymore. Nobody gives a flying fuck that these have got, that, like, the Maquis crew are different than the Starfleet crew. This is the thing you do in season two. No, and the whole our whole thing early on was okay. If this is the premise of the show, I don't care specifically about the Maquis, but what you're doing is you're saying half the crew disagrees with the other half. This mm. could be interesting, and they never did anything with that. We pointed out in the pilot that uh, Chakotay just said, uh, "Yes, I agree with your idea for us all to work together," and never says another word about it. Yep, that was when all this would have been interesting and appropriate, and that ship has long sailed. Like that, that's been gone for like four years now. Yeah. And uh, they never did it well. Like, there's maybe once or twice where I thought it was okay. I liked uh, Tuvok's drill instructor bit where he sure. tried to get some of the Maquis to be more Starfleet-y. But that's about it. But just, uh. it, 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 like, as soon as they start bringing it up, like, they start making a big deal out of it because so that, to, to remind you that parts of the crew are Maquis. And I was like, yeah. no one cares. We Like, this is not a thing we think about anymore. 
No, I haven't thought about that. I mean, it was interesting when it came up when when they talked to Starfleet and Starfleet's, oh, so you got some uh, key. Huh, interesting. Mm-hmm. That that I liked. Yeah. Because those were guys who were out of the loop for five years and didn't know how far we'd come, so that made sense. Yeah, no, that's fine. But it's like just bringing it up now all out of nowhere. Yeah. No, it shouldn't. Yeah, it should be long gone. <sighs> also, I hate the idea that everyone's carrying this in their brains for seven years and just no one it's ever knows. It's never come up. Yeah. Like how often that, have our have our Maki characters been in surgery or whatever? I'm sure yeah. we've gone into the brain of at least one of them. I, I'm sure we've lived in the dream mind of a bunch of them. We've gone into Chuck's dreams like 87 times. Yeah, Hakuchi Moya, we sure have. Uh-huh. Now, it's it's just, it's another one of those retcons that I he- hated with uh, Unimatrix Zero. Yep. Like, uh, Seven has all along had magic dream powers and a boyfriend that we didn't know about. And this time is like, yeah, so this whole time these guys are just waiting for the right trigger word to, uh-huh. uh, to turn in the Maquis again. Shut uh-huh. up. Yeah. Just ugh. whatever. No. Shut up and go to hell. The thing is, I, I don't think it would come up in surgery, but I do think it would come up in the many mind melds that Tuvok has done. I would love or, if they cracked open Chakotay's brain and that someone just, it's just written in crayon. You're a traitor. There's a literal... There's a literal red flag just sticking out of the top of his brain. Oh, that's odd. That shouldn't be there. Huh. I'll just <laughs> pull, pull this right out and everything's fine. No, all the all the times <laughs> Tuvok is... <laughs> all the times Tuvok has melded with people or all the meditation he's done, he should be very aware of what's going on in his own brain. Yeah. Like, very aware of his own mind. Mm-hmm. So, huh. That's a that's a strange thing there that I'm not letting myself think about. What's it's going weirdly on weirdly staticky in this part of my brain. That's odd. Yeah. My my mind palace has like a, a closed for construction room. <laughs> we'll put this beware of the leopard sign up. <laughs> oh, you must be going to the podcast zone. <laughs> uh, so so my good thing for this episode, mm-hmm. I gotta fall back on the old standby. I try not to do this too much, but some actors in this ensemble are good enough that they transcend shitty episodes. And Tim Russ and Kate Mulgrew still completely sell me on Tuvok and Kate's friendship, even in this mess. Sure. Like, there's some great moments between the two of them where Kate is like, Tuvok, are you sure you can handle this? And he's like, uh, no, I'm, I'm not sure, but I'm going to try, mm. old friend. And it just it's some good stuff. Old friend. Yeah. No, I, I, I always, I've liked them from day one. Mm-hmm. Like, those guys sold me on their rapport very early on, and it's been there the whole time. And I liked it. Yeah. Uh, that that's really all I could find that was worth mentioning. Uh, also, uh, I've started watching uh, rewatching the Batman animated series. Some of them for the first time, like the oh, early nice. episodes, I missed a few. Yeah, and uh, Kate Mulgrew popped up as a voice in an episode that I was not aware of. Oh no, kidding! She's a good uh, she's a good voice actor. She I I'm surprised because I figured she was one of those people who just sounds like herself. And oh, that's fine. Because some actors just sound like themselves, uh-huh. but they have a good voice, so it's okay. No, she did an accent, and she didn't do a weird, silly accent like she does in Orange is the New Black. She did a pretty decent accent. No, she um, she's played a villain in the all of the Dragon Age games, and she's fucking amazing. Does she sound like not herself? Well, she sounds like Kate. Like I, I, I identified her as Kate Mulgrew, but she still yeah. sounds what like really good. No, no, no. I that's what I'm saying. Like that doesn't mean she's bad, but some voice actors don't have a lot of range. Sure. Is all, and I couldn't imagine she did, but I didn't immediately identify her, and I'm usually pretty good at that. Mm. She played uh, a character called the Red Claw. Who oh, was, uh, fuck! She's the Red Claw. Yeah. Oh, damn. She, who uh, who was sort of the main villain in the first uh, Catwoman appearance? Yeah, yeah. She's no, I, of, I completely remember her. I remember not liking yeah. her when I was a kid. Nah, she she's kind of like the DC Universe's version of Craven the Hunter, I mm. would say. Like that kind of like like big you know big scary big game hunter kind of type. Now the animated series would occasionally introduce characters that like weren't Batman villain characters and that always bugged me when I was a kid. I like it now though. Oh yeah, totally. But I mean like back then, like we were talking about on Twitter, the fucking, uh, uh, amnesia episode and the, um, uh, fuck with the sewer King one. Yeah. Those, well, I don't want to get off on too much of a tangent here, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the, the problem is in the first 10 episodes, you got like three different ones that have nothing to do with Batman or super villains or, anything and they were just like weird choices early on it set a weird tone for i gotta give them credit for doing that that early in the series like it didn't work but the fact that they were willing to try it is really cool i yeah it felt more like they hadn't figured out what the show was yet Mm. to me like whereas if they'd done the exact same episodes a little bit later then you would have had the joker and the penguin and two-face in place and you could go off on a dickensian adventure once or something have you seen the uh the series bible that's been floating around the internet for the last couple of years you can find it pretty easy 
I should check that out. Yeah. But uh, we're not talking about that. We're talking about uh, Voyager. So. Oh, right. I know. Also, I should mention, we have we have occasionally uh, thrown the idea out there that we might cover the Bruce Tim shows after Pod. I don't think we're doing that anymore. All right. Because we, we've talked about a, another plan that I think we're we're pretty good, pretty well behind. The, the, the existence of Discovery kind of messes our plans up because we can't really start something new and long term when there's going to keep being Star Trek. Sure. We need to we need to be ready when more Star Trek happens and not just abandon something. So that's kind of why. Why? So anyway, uh, what was your good thing for this episode? There's a dude in the brig that vaguely resembles Pert Happily. That made me happy. For those okay. unfamiliar, Pert Happily is the news uh, anchor from Parks and Rec. That guy, uh, I can't remember the actor's name off the top of my head, but uh, he plays a news guy in everything. Yeah, no, he um, he is a news guy in real life. And oh, is he? That I didn't know. Yeah, but um, and he basically informed his uh, he basically informed his agent that he only wants to play news guys. <laughs> yeah, the the actor's name is Jay Jackson, mm-hmm. and. Uh, he has played a news guy in in uh, let's see, Scandal, It's Always Sunny, uh, Bones, mm-hmm. Supergirl, yep, Parks and Rec, uh, and and people like to assume th- this is all purred happily, and I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, maybe it was him. Maybe he was. Maybe he was in Voyager. I mean, if that if that guy who works in the brig also did uh, also starred on Neelix's morning program, then I could see it. Yeah. Hey, it's time for you heard with purred. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, scary troll doll. I'm Bird Happily. Oh God, that, that's really all you could find in this, huh? Yeah, this was a real sucky episode, and I fucking hated it, and it made me yell. Just, uh, yeah, did not care for it. No, sure there, didn't. Surely, we've only been talking about it for ten minutes. Though, surely there's more. Also, and we talked about Batman for about five of that. Also, uh, what do you call it? One of the uh, one of the uh, traitors, uh, Maquis, wears painted football armor. I didn't. I didn't notice that. Like linebacker uh, uh, pads. I don't know what the fuck oh. they're really. Called. Oh, 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 okay. I know what you're talking about. When we get to the one of the last acts, like the second of the last act, where they all they all are just change Maquis. into fucking Maquis. They all Mad put Max their Maquis crap. costumes on. Yeah, they all put on their vests. Yeah, and their shoulder pads, as you as you mentioned. And everyone's like, nobody matches. First of all, you're all supposed to be on the same team. Shouldn't you be wearing, if not a uniform, at least something that looks like you're all on the same team? Yep. And it, like, I'm surprised they didn't just install some of those flaming barrels around the bridge. Oh yeah, they were seriously just like full on mullety rebel. Like, ah. Well, unfortunately, they used all the barrels to attach to uh, Belana and Tom's uh, married, just married shuttle. Oh yeah, you don't want to put tiny cans. They need to be big enough to be seen. <laughs> so yeah, barrels, of course. Computer replicate cans. <laughs> my cans, my precious antique cans. <laughs> Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and go into my quote. We can keep talking about this, but uh, yeah, I, please. I, looking through my notes here uh, at the beginning. So, yeah, there are the uh, Tom and Blana are on a date. And once again, as Matt pointed out, they're they're doing something Tom wants to do. Uh, they're seeing a 3D movie. Yep. And Blana points out the wonderful, stupid irony of, of the situation. Mm-hmm. These will make the images on the screen appear three dimensional. Let me get this straight. You've gone to all this trouble to program a three-dimensional environment that projects a two-dimensional image, and now you're asking me to wear these to make it look three-dimensional again? Great, isn't it? Which I loved. It's a very engineer way to put it, like, to see it, and uh, I really enjoyed that. Also, they're Uh, watching one of the Creature from the Black Lagoon movies, and that just made me want to watch one of those. Yeah, I guess those are in public domain, or... Paramount owns them one or the other. I think Paramount owns them. I think they're Paramount movies. Anyway, Creature of the Black Lagoon's a fucking good movie. Is it, though? The Creature Walks walks Among Us, which was featured in an MST, is not. Ah, that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. That was the first sci-fi episode. Yes. Yeah. I always thought that was an impressive get for them. Uh, No, because Sci-Fi Channel just had a big library of stuff that they got to pick through. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like they sought it out. It was the first like 10 or 12 episodes where they just did all those black and white universal ones. It's like sci-fi just had them lying around. No. They're like, here, go pick through our bargain bin. You can use these movies and nothing else. Like, I remember watching being like, do they have access to universal horror, mo- horror movies? Yeah, they did. That's fucking great. I would yeah, have loved if they'd sure... gotten like, a, like a, one of the old Hammer flicks or something. Well, uh, I'm pretty sure Universal owns uh, Sci-Fi Channel. Mm. 
So they, that was probably an easy get. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, Harry had one funny line in this. Yes. Which is uh, as they were as they were doing the murder investigation, piecing together like, okay, the height of the the uh, the perpetrator was this. Okay, so we can rule out Naomi Wildman, is what he said. That, that was kind of funny. They keep mentioning Naomi, and she keeps not showing up, and that just makes me angry. It just makes me think there's some kind of child labor thing going on. Bring her back. She hasn't been like in season seven at all. Maybe she's in school right now. No. Yeah. Get back to work, Naomi Wildman. You're also holding somebody... the show together. <laughs> That's much more important than your education. Yes. Uh, at one point, I, I believe Janeway says, I'm beginning to think our perpetrator is a ghost. And I was just thinking, well, this is Voyager. Mm-hmm. Let's not rule. That's not a that's not a dismissive joke. That's that's a plausible like scenario. Yeah, legitimate ghosts. Yeah, I mean, at one point, someone looks in a mirror and sees this this ranting Bajoran guy doing everything but waving a knife. Yep, which is the hackiest way to show your killer that there uh, is. There's so. a there's a scene where uh, some rando gets chased through the uh, Jeffrey's tubes by. I guess it turns out to be Tuvok. Yeah. Uh, with a flashlight, and you never actually see his face. And I'm just like, this better be Jason fucking Voorhees, or I'm going home. And <laughs> you then already I went were home. home. You already were home. Good. Stay there. You watch these in your home and record this from your home. Yep. <sighs> so. Still, oh, I, would did... very, I would very much enjoy Jason Voorhees stalking the, 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 uh, the Voyager. No, thank you. Like, Harry uh, would probably die, so that's good. Uh, no. Jason always kills the teens who are making out. Harry doesn't get to make out with anyone, so no, he wouldn't die. No, but they also, he also always kills the jackass who thinks he's funny. I guess that's true, yeah. Um, we did get uh, an appearance. This this also could have qualified as a good thing mm. uh, by Tuvok's son. Oh, yeah. That was kind of cool. When they were, they were watching, because the, the whole the sleeper agent thing, like he hid his uh, uh, triggering thing inside one of the messages that came from Starfleet, which he knew Tuvok would watch, which was from his son. Mm-hmm. And his son was talking about, uh, it was actually really sweet. He was talking about how he's doing music and like taking after his dad doing music like yeah. his dad does. And I thought that was cute. And I'm glad they cast someone and showed us what his, uh, what his, dad, what his uh, son looks like. That was nice. Yeah. I like that. So now we know his mom, his wife, and his son. Yep. Uh, anything else? Uh, I just I feel like we should talk more, but there's really not much more to say. Uh, fucking. It was exactly there, what you think it was. There's a point in this episode where I said to myself, "Okay, last episode was about driving really fast in a circle," mm-hmm. and I found that more interesting than this episode, which is ostensibly about a murderer stalking the stalking Voyager. Why am I less interested in this than I was in that? And then I thought, "Oh, right, two words, Maquis." Well, they you instantly know, bring everything down. Characters. I mean, everyone here was for the for the purposes of the story acting out of character, so you don't care. Ugh. In the previous episode, they we were exploring a relationship, like we were yep. getting in the heads of the, like the people, the characters. Oh my god, how is this difficult? Yeah. Also, there's I mean, a scene we, where uh, Tuvok accuses Harry of being a murderer. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Yeah, I read your uh, the uh, mail you got from uh, Starfleet." And Harry gets all indignant, and I'm just like, why? Fucking Neelix reads everybody's mail every month. Yeah, he sure does. He loves hey, it. Hey, so you got, a, you got a surprise here. I mean, I know what it is, but here, why don't you open it? I mean, I, you know, it's already open, but uh, why don't you read it? God, I hate it. letter from your doctor says that it is terminal. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's from seven years ago, so I guess you're okay. Neelix. Ugh. All right. Anything else? No. Okay. Uh, As we mentioned before, uh, we did not get a chance to answer all of our mail in the last supplemental, so we're going to end each episode till we get caught up uh, with with some mail. So uh, this one comes from Daniel. All right. And he says, hey, guys, good luck with the final season of Voyager, and I hope the good has outweighed the bad. So far, not so much. Not really, but we'll keep you posted. Yeah. Um... Oh, this is talking about the finale, and I'm reluctant to talk about this only because it's all like what, like the alternate plans for the finale. Oh, you want? Do so, you want to maybe save that one for? Yeah, uh, let's 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 save that one because I'm. We'll do a thing just talking about. I think so. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, this one. Th- sorry, we'll skip that one for now. No, no, we'll get to that after. Yeah, we'll get like, to you. I, but uh, sorry, I assume you wrote in to hear our thoughts on the finale after we'd seen the finale. Yeah. 
and I haven't seen it since it aired 15 years ago. And so I've never seen anything, it, so yeah, I'm aware uh, of it. But spoilers, they get home. What? You knew that already because you saw Admiral Janeway in one of the movies. What? Uh, this one comes from Tony, and he says, Hi, guys. Loving the podcast as always. I feel compelled to write in after listening to episode 307 for two reasons. Firstly, while you and Matt think Harry hasn't achieved anything, I respectfully disagree. I think he achieved the most awesome death sequence in Voyager when he got spaced in the episode where the ship is split in two. Maybe it's not that awesome, but at least it's satisfying to see him die slowly. I never liked him back in the day, but until I started following you guys, I had no idea it was a near-universal thing. Yeah, basically, if you don't think he's cute, you hate him. Mm-hmm. Those are the only people who stand behind Harry as a character is because they like how he physically looks. Yep. I've seen no one who can defend him as an actual character. No, Secondly, not at all. In the episode named Lifeline, in the message Admiral Hayes conveys to Janeway, he mentions that two deep space exploration ships have been sent to meet Voyager and should rendezvous with them in about six years. Given what most of us know about how the show ends, can you imagine being on one of those ships heading further and further away from your family and friends, only to then get a message you've been wasting your time because they're already home and you have to travel another year back? <laughs> I That's hadn't an thought of point. that. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Those, just the uh, captain of that ship who got this shitty fucking mission and just like, well, son of a bitch. He already hates Janeway. Mm-hmm. Ugh, gotta go fucking bail out science captain who would be home now if she didn't stop to look at the flowers every damn week. Okay, fine. Wait, she's home? You hear they won a race this week? Oh, well then. They could have gotten another 200 light years closer to home, but no, they had to, they had to like stop and have a shuttle race. And I could have watched my baby girl grow up. Oh, well. Ugh. Oh, my wife has left me for someone else. Oh, okay. great. That's, and that's the cat's wonderful. in the cradle and the silver spoon. <laughs> when you're uh, coming home, Dad, in seven years. Yeah. No, that's that's a good point. Also, I feel like in that scenario, Starfleet doesn't even tell them. Yep. Doesn't even say, oh, hey, Voyager's home. They just get to the designated point in the Delta Quadrant and there's nothing there. Uh, Yeah, hey, uh, Starfleet Command, we're here and uh, they didn't show. Oh, what, yeah, Voyager? no, they've been home for, like, three years. You'd get, just turn around and come back. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, Janeway! <laughs> all right, so that's all for this week. Uh, I, I should mention, this This feels contrived, but I swear it's not. A couple of people have written in and said, why Why don't you talk up your other stuff more? So, Because uh, I hate to, but mm-hmm. all right. Uh, if you guys are interested, I also produce, Matt is regularly involved with this as well. Uh, a thing called Sarcastic Voyage. It used to be one of those kind of like this, just just kind of talking. Uh, and it gradually mm-hmm. evolved into comedy sketches and then sort of radio plays. And that's what we're doing now is, is radio play stuff. And actually, yeah. um, next week, we'll be doing a thing that Matt and I co-wrote, uh, Aaron Fawcett, one of our one of our regular bits. Nice full-length version of that. Uh, and, and coming up soon, there's, there's going to be a really cool thing uh, relating to that that I can't talk about just yet. Yeah. But, uh, sar- sarcasticvoyage.com. A lot of great voice acting and, and uh, comedy radio plays and stuff uh, you guys might enjoy. Yeah. So check that out. And, and uh, your periodic reminder to please uh, review the show on iTunes. Sure, why not? We could use it. Yeah. See ya, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2017. Please don't sue us. We're... We're we're still just doing this.